This week on the Steam Machine Podcast, you take myself, you take my self-control. Cue the music. Hey everybody and welcome back to another fantastic, wonderful, exciting episode of the Steam Machine Podcast. My name is Dalton and joining me as always are the Destructo Bros themselves, my good buddies. Nate! Willie! How you boys doing this week? What you been up to? Uh, it's been a pretty pretty good week, my dude. So, um, been applying for a lot of jobs lately, kind of keeping that on the low and finally got pretty big opportunity that i finally got the offer letter for yesterday so i can talk about it a little bit but i will be doing really well here in a couple weeks <laughs> hell yeah That's yeah i'm That's stoked about that i know you've been behind the scenes putting in a lot of work on that so glad to see you'll be getting that cheddar soon uh i've been just doing a lot of stuff to try to take care of my personal situation you know making a lot of doctor's appointments and stuff and i've been I'm really busy with that. Like I've seen doctors for my eyes, for my skin, for my mental health and all that over the last few days. So been mega busy with that. But like, I feel really optimistic about how I'm taking care of things and kind of getting control of my own life. So feeling very pleased with uh, how that's turning out so far. Sweet. Oh, oh yeah, man. Oh yeah. That's what's up. That's what's up. I have been up to like absolutely dog shit. Nothing. <laughs> uh, I had a fucking terrible week, but I'm not going to go into it just because I don't feel like talking about it. But on the flip side of that, I have been enjoying the shit out of some 2K22, some WWE. Yeah. Um, I did decide to transfer my operating system over from my normal hard drive over to my solid state drive. And in doing that, you know, I lost a lot of files or, you know, I transferred over files, but like I had to back up files, yada, yada, yada. I think something got lost in the translation, though, because when I try to use some of my created wrestlers on 2K22 now that I have downloaded, the game crashes. Ooh. Oh, but it also just had a patch today. So I don't know if that's just a patch issue that they're going to need to put out a little fix for or if I'm just going to need to delete those guys and go and redownload them. Yeah. Which either way kind of sucks. But it is what it is. Like, my computer runs way fucking faster now, so <laughs> I'll take it. Yeah. Oh, have you, you boys got the chance to try out the new tracks on Mario Kart 8 yet? No. Not yet. I do have them. Uh, I need to, like, tur- turn my Switch on and let it charge and download stuff. <laughs> because while, while I've been playing, like, I've been turning my Switch on at night, playing Paper Mario a little bit, and then putting it, or, you know, saving, turning it back off so it doesn't sit in rest mode and die. So it hasn't actually had time to download them yet, but I need to. That and the uh, Animal Crossing DLC. Oh, yeah. You got that now, too. Yeah. Because, dude, I, I finally got to play the new Mario Kart tracks with my wife, um, and they're really fun. It's just nice to have, a, like, a set of eight more tracks that I don't have completely memorized that I could do blindfolded at this point. So it felt really good doing those races. Like, I don't have any controversial opinions about it. I think people pretty much hit the nail on the head with which courses are the best. Which Ninja Hideaway, great track. And of course, you got to love the fact that they brought back Coconut Mall from Mario Kart Wii just for the music alone. That song is so good. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Dude, uh, I'm going to be honest with you. Other than, I think, Mario Kart 64, Mario Kart 8's the first Mario Kart game that I've played. Wow. Like, I, just, I was just, I, I was never a Nintendo kid other than I had an NES. You know what I mean? So, like, before that, or, I mean, after that, it's been no Nintendos up until I had a GameCube, but I literally only had the GameCube. My brother was like, here, you can have my GameCube in these three games, which was Super Mario Sunshine, Super Monkey Ball, and some other game. I don't remember what it was. It obviously wasn't worth remembering. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, see, for me, GameCube was the one Nintendo system I missed. Yeah, like, I feel a little bit like I've, I've missed a major generation in that I didn't play Double Dash, you know? Because yeah. that seems to be one of the most fondly regarded of the uh, Mario Kart games. I tell you, GameCube was impressive for, like, what it was. You know what I mean? Like, for those, like, little tiny discs and really this not that big of a powerhouse, yet it was running games 
sometimes way smoother than the Xbox and the PlayStation would. It was just insane. Yeah, it wasn't like the yeah. Metal Gear on that one actually run better, like the Twin Snake or whatever it was called. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that and I believe that there's like a few different racing games that like run at 60 frames a second on the GameCube that run at 30 wow. on the PS2. That's a huge difference in a racing game. Yeah, it's weird yeah. too because I always thought of like the GameCube as kind of being like the mid-spec between like Dreamcast and your PS2 and your Xbox, you know? Also, GameCube, easiest to emulate. Yeah. I don't know why. Like, uh, X and Xbox, which is Microsoft, the hardest to emulate, which doesn't make any sense to me at all. I think <laughs> maybe just more... In- oh. Oh, I think you and I are about to say the same I thing. Think, I think there's just maybe, like, a really passionate group of people behind the GameCube, especially for games like Melee. Like, people have been wanting to play Smash Bros. Melee online together for the longest time, so, like, they were going to dedicate themselves to getting that emulation working and then that ability to play <laughs> online. Yeah, I was thinking between that and just exclusives in general, like, you know, there's no other system you can play Eternal Darkness on, for instance. So, like, there's a much bigger, uh, if you're going to pick one system to get up, you know, uh, GameCube has exclusives, whereas, you know, PS2 and Xbox kind of had a lot. I mean, obviously, you know, Xbox had Halo, PS2 had Final Fantasy 10, 11, 12. So, like, you know, it's not strict, but... The Nintendo has always had the most exclusive exclusives, I guess. Well, yeah, I guess you don't need to emulate a lot of those games anymore because they've been remastered and dumped onto PC, like all the Final Fantasy games you just mentioned. Yeah. yeah. I tell you what, dude, there's a game that was exclusively for the original Xbox that I wish would get released on PC, and it was called Amped. Amped. And it it, it was a snowboarding game. Oh, yeah, I remember you mentioned oh. that one before, Yeah. And it was fucking great because like the mechanic of that was like, you know, you're going down and you're doing your thing, just trying to get to do cool tricks and stuff. But you had your option of snowboard or a like a skateboard that had a ski on the bottom of it. So you could skate down the mountain and do like huh. flips into grinds and stuff. It was super fun. That actually cool. sounds pretty awesome. Yeah. And I've never seen a game do stuff like that since. I mean, steep. Like I think there's I think it's out on PC and stuff. I know I played it on PS4. Uh, Steep kind of did where you could switch between snowboarding and skiing, but I want that snow skateboard, man. <laughs> <laughs> God damn it! But it's also cool because like in in uh, in Steep you can drop in from a helicopter, like at the top of this really sick like huge mountain. You drop in from a fucking helicopter and then land and just start going down. So that's that's always pretty fun. Oh man, have you guys? Uh, what have you guys been playing this week? Anything interesting? Uh, nothing too super interesting. Like I said, I've been getting back into Mario Maker a little bit. I'm thinking about trying to put together a full cohesive um, super world in Mario Maker just for the heck of it. Oh wow! Yeah, it's like I like building levels, but I got tired of trying to do single gimmick levels. But if I build an entire super world, I could build like twelve levels with the same concept kind of thing. It's like I'm trying to think of how I want to do that, but yeah, just kind of something interesting. I thought it might have fun doing. Yeah, I could, I could see that being fun. Like I always like creator systems. Like I think it was uh, the Tony Hawk games back in the day. I used to love creating my own skate park. Mm. Loved it. Yeah. Which really, I should I should probably check out this game called Skate Park Tycoon that I've seen on the uh, Abandonware sites. Because that's probably right up my fucking alley. <laughs> just some like, uh, no, I just haven't checked it out yet. What about you, Will? You been playing anything interesting? Uh, I've been doing some random, like, practicing some Doom shit lately again, I guess. Like, uh, getting a little bit better against 1v1ing Revenants. You know, learned a little bit more about their punching range and all that. There was a video by a player, I think the screen name was so bad. I'll have to look that up, but... The guy put out a really cool uh, tutorial on how to handle Revenant, like a very thorough tutorial, including dealing with one, dealing with multiple, dealing with uh, what happens when you trigger their pain chance and how to keep that from causing missile launches and all that, which uh, ended up actually being really interesting. I didn't, I'm not great at it yet, but I'm getting better at uh, manipulating them to stay in melee range, which is uh, more complicated than you might expect. That's what's up. Yeah. That's what's up. I'm- I have been going to more comfort games a little bit, too, because, like, I did decide to the other night for no good reason just to do the Path of Pain in Hollow Knight again, just yeah. because I felt like playing Hollow Knight and getting close to the end of um, Guacamelee on hard mode because I wanted to get 100% Steam achievements on that. And I will say this because we didn't play hard mode when we did the episode. It is actually quite a bit harder. I just feel like you die so much easier on hard mode. 
Is it one of those where they just like double the enemy's attack damage and stuff? That's what I think it is. It's got to be something like that. Yeah, that's how it is. Like when you kick up Dark Souls on the harder difficulties, it's like this little enemies will start just fucking one shotting you. <laughs> it's like, God damn. Oh, get good, scrub. Yeah, right. Yeah, that's what I always hear. I say, get God, scrub. <laughs> God mode. Can't die. Hashtag. Wicked clowns never die. What? Anyways. Yeah, I have been, like I said, I've been fucking around with WWE. Been playing some more Lost Ark. Sailing the sailing the seas. Finding random treasure floating around. It's been fun. I thought you uninstalled Lost Ark. Huh? I thought you said you uninstalled Lost Ark. I did uninstall Lost Ark. Um, I had to uninstall all my games when I was doing uh, the Switch over. Oh. But, no, I still have Lost okay. Ark uh, installed. I did, un- I did uninstall Black Desert now um just because that was oh man i don't know i just i put a lot of time into that game for like a month and a half and then i was like i need a break (laughs) (laughs) lots and lots of grinding but uh but yeah man i uh i know that uh wow my mind just fucking blanked anyway it's time for the fucking obligatory wikipedia bullshit for control let's just get into this shit oh yeah um oh Control is a redacted uh, game developed by <laughs> Remedy Entertainment and published by 505 Games. The game was released in redacted 2019 for Microsoft Windows, PlayStation 4, and Xbox One, and for PlayStation 5, Xbox Series X, and S in February of 2021. Uh, there is a cloud-based version for the Nintendo Switch hmm. and Stadia. Stadia! Oh, wow, Stadia. I forgot that that was a thing. I think everybody I think did about a week after it too. came out. <laughs> <laughs> yes, sir. I, uh, I'd i be really, really, really quite curious to see how the Switch version of this game runs. Yeah, it's interesting to put it on the cloud-based. So I think they do that so it can handle a little bit more. I'm not under- entirely sure how the cloud-based gaming works on the Switch. But I know they did the same thing with like that Kingdom Hearts um, collection. Yeah. Which doesn't make sense because you feel like the Switch should be able to handle Kingdom Hearts no problem. But... That was originally PS2 games, wasn't it? Yeah, well, the HD versions, I think, were PS3 games. Well, damn. I mean, come on, man. I don't know, bro. I've seen some PS3 games that would probably make the Nintendo Switch sweat. But I I think it just depends on maybe, like, how the game was coded. Hell, I don't fucking know. I think it's... But I think it's the uh, Kingdom Hearts 3 that is the cloud game. I love um, the whole, the yeah, whole trilogy. I think it was the whole base, but I might have just been because heard, of limitations of three. Well, I've heard the worst things about the Kingdom Hearts three on the Switch. People just say it is fucking atrocious. Oh, it sucks. Uh, so, the, like, like the a, PlayStation Chrono Trigger of its day. Yeah, or uh, was it what was it two K nineteen or two K twenty WWE game that came out on Switch and was just absolutely just ran at like ten <laughs> frames a second if there was more than two people in the ring. Ish. Yeah, gotta love it. Anyways, um, the control the game revolves around the Federal Bureau of Control, the FBC, which is a secret U.S. government agency tasked with containing and studying phenomena that violate the laws of reality. You play a character named Jesse Faden, who is played by Courtney Hope, and uh, you are the bureau's new director, and you have to go explore the oldest house. Now, here's something that jumped out to me right at the beginning. Like, as I started to play this game, it hit me. This game's a fucking Metroidvania. <laughs> it is. Because you can go run around and find all these different places, but motherfucker, you can't get in there until A, you find a key card, like Doom, or B, you have the power that you need to get there. Yeah. Because yeah there's certainly, like, hallways very early on where it's like, if you even try to walk down them, you just get drained immediately. <laughs> Yeah, and that comes into with the the hiss blocking off the doorway until you have a way to, you know, yeah. get past that point. Um, but basically, you start you just have to like go and find these objects of power, which are. Let's get this out of the way. This game is very, very, very inspired by the SCP Foundation. So objects of power are kind of just like SCPs. One hundred percent, they are. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So fact, Nate, Nate had actually never really read that much SCP stuff before the movie. He'd heard us talk about it enough times, and we sent him a bunch of articles this week. And he's like, yeah, this is that vibe for yeah. sure. Um, there is an Easter egg that is sh- uh, a direct reference to the SCP Foundation 
in control. There's actually two. One is that they're one of the DLCs is called the foundation. Hmm. And the second one is once you get to the containment area later in the game, you find there's a room with a refrigerator and a guy sitting in a chair staring at the refrigerator. And you can go up and talk to him on the intercom and he's on fridge duty and he's like, oh my God, please go down and tell the, uh, I think his name's Langston, that somebody needs to come in here and replace me. I've been staring at this thing for a whole day. He's like, we can't take our eyes off of it or else it'll freak out. (laughs) So it's a reference to the original SCP. Yeah. Which is one that you have to keep constant eye contact on. If not, it will kill you. If you blink, you are dead. Yeah, I believe that's number 186. I'm going to have to double check that, but it's just like, it's a cool little, little ode to that. And then in that whole area, you're like float, you're going around in there and you can just like see all these different containment cells that just have these ordinary looking little items in there, like a rubber ducky (laughs) and shit. You're like, Oh, I just, I wonder what that motherfucker does. (laughs) You might find some paperwork on it. You might not. Um, 173. I'm sorry. 173. Yeah. That was the the original. Now, interestingly enough, um, that 173 and weeping angels from Dr. Who both came out around the same time. But the way the time correlated, they couldn't have influenced one another. So it was just completely coincidence that both of the, those things are pretty much the same thing, but they were created at the same time by different people. Yeah, it's actually well, there's there was no way that it was possible for it to have gone in production in Doctor Who, for it have been to influ- or to have to have been influenced by the SCP Foundation article. But like, it is exactly the same mechanic. Like, unless. It was a writer for Doctor Who who wrote 173. Yeah, right. But yeah, I just thought that was a cool little Easter egg. Um, so first first impressions of this game hit me with them. Yeah, dude, I really loved like my first impression of the game. Like I thought that the bright red that they used in the hallways and everything actually did the job it was meant to do. It was like super spooky and it did a great job of creating like the atmosphere it was going for. Like whenever you walk down a hallway in this game, you always feel like you gotta watch your back and see what's going on. Um, I thought the character models and the graphics were fantastic. Like, yeah. <laughs> one thing I'll say is I feel like every character had the same teeth. But other than that, <laughs> but other than that, I thought they did a really great job. Like everything looked good. Every character looked like an individual, which I really appreciated. Yeah, and then like the game was super st- story driven, obviously. But I felt like the gameplay still felt pretty good. Yeah, I think my first, uh, the very first thing I saw when I went into it was just like, I don't, you're, you come into it like so storied, you're like trying to find out about, you know, the thing that happened to, I guess, what your character's brother was or whatever. But like, the moment you get in there, like, there, you're so immediately swept up in everything that goes on that like, the game immediately goes, oh, you have 10 questions? Now you have a hundred questions. Like, the game just, it opens the door so hard the moment you start playing. And, like, the execution in the first couple hours is just, it it does such a fantastic job of, like, keeping you wanting to move forward into this, despite the fact that you know that you shouldn't be going further into it. So, I think my first impression with it was, like, so you walk in as Jesse and then, you know, you're going through the hallways and that's when you first meet Ati, the janitor, and he's talking yeah. to you. One of the first things I noticed is that Jesse says something to herself in her head and Ati responds to it. Like he heard her thinking that. And I was like, okay, but it's not even fucking acknowledged. Mm-hmm. Like she just acts like nothing happened. Right. So he tells you, yeah, just keep going and you'll get to the service elevator. Now, when I ran forward and I went to the service elevator, I'm like, damn, this looks a lot like the place I just came from. So I turned around to go run back to see the place where you first come in to compare how they looked. And there was now a solid wall there after a few like minutes down the hallway. And I was like, okay, okay, this game's going to be one of these. All right. <laughs> so I turned around and I was like, so come to find out the, uh, the building itself shifts. And that comes into play more a lot later in the game. But it's like an ever-shifting building, which I just thought was super fucking cool. And really the whole con... Oh, go ahead. uh, Just even the fact that, like, your character probably shouldn't have been able to find it in the first place just because it shifts so much that it hides itself from looky-loos and, you know, random people, you know? Yeah, the the whole reason that they uh, set up the the bureau in 
what they called the oldest house is because you literally can't find that building unless you are looking for it. So if you're just walking down the street in New York, you wouldn't know it was there unless you were like, you know, man, I'm going to go check out that bureau if you knew it. And then, then it would show up to you. That's just fucking cool to me. Like, I wish my house could be like that. <laughs> Keep motherfuckers to stay away. <laughs> um, but yeah, as you kind of make your way through the game, it's very much like a, uh, like I said, it's like kind of like a Metroidvania in a way. Um, and it also reminded me of Souls games in the sense that your control points, which are like your save points, are almost like bonfires <laughs> in Dark Souls because okay. you, can, you claim the control point and then you can use that to, uh, that's where you go to level up. That's where you respawn when you die. You know, that's where that's you your can fast, fast travel, travel point, your, your push in points. Yeah. Yeah. So I got that vibe from it too. So I was very much like, okay, I can see how this goes. Um, now that, that very intro story beat where like you finally go in, you talk, you cleanse out that first area where you see the hiss for the first time. What was your, what was your guys' experiences? Like, how did you feel about the enemies, the hiss? Um, I'm trying to think of a way I want to think about that. Because the enemies just seem like, are the enemies possessed humans? That is my real question there. Like the ones that you actually have to fight, or is it just something that's being created by the hiss? Because yeah, so, earlier on, I definitely got the vibe that it was just like possessed zombies, like just no. So the the way it is is that when they went into this like different space, there were these two resonances. One was the hedron, which is what Jesse sees at her head type thing, like that style of thing and then there's the other one which is the hiss and what the hiss does is it like manifests itself into people and then changes them so they were human at one point they were people okay. who worked at the bureau who have been inf infected by the hiss and they've been turned into the abominations that you see yeah okay that's kind of what i was thinking was going on it's just what made the most sense especially since there are bosses that were named characters that were people that were part of the bureau so that makes sense to yeah. me um, I thought they were pretty good. Like, they definitely put off a creepy vibe, but I don't think they stand out incredibly, but I liked them. Like at first, it, it, it did kind of just be like, oh, hey, you know, here's basically zombie agents of this Federal Bureau or whatever. But, like, over time, it did kind of trickle out more interesting mm -hmm. forms of the enemy that you fight. Like certainly yeah. the uh, the floating explosive ones were very <laughs> interesting. Um, when you go into the uh, the power core and uh, face off against the clog, which you expect to be just like you know a clogged pipe, but instead is like a fairly Lovecraftian type of entity, like great and mighty poo. <laughs> yeah, shit, shit just gets really weird really fast. And the fact that it does not feel any need to immediately explain itself is like, I think one of the greatest strengths of this game. Well, let me go ahead and tell you, sir, uh, that I think that's one of the points of this game because it doesn't really ever explain much of Jack shit. Like I rolled credits on this and like, I loved every second of it. Spoilers, but I just like the, over, overarching thing is that it opens up a lot of questions but never really gives them to you and I think that that's a, like kind of the the theme of this game is like things that are beyond your understanding beyond your control hey oh he said it you know like I think that's kind of what they're going for with it yeah um I think it does a cool job of like mixing those levels of things too like you're going through collecting all these like you know paperworks and you know documentations and all of that and like some of the things you read about are just objects that are slightly weird or things that are going slightly strange in the building and then like other times it's like these horrible cosmic nightmares and like i don't know like the fact that it keeps both like x-files level mystery and then like really cosmic horror and then just like mundane horror what the hell is going on like and it keeps all those in balance and it doesn't feel like it's shifting mood at all like i think is a huge strength like the synthesis of this like s this horror setting like i think the setting is really what you're going to sell people on with this game that is the main thing that i think really whips ass about it yeah the oldest house is such a cool place and i really uh appreciated the fact that they made so many things destructible 
Mm-hmm. So, like, yeah. when you're having these battles and you throw something, it might hit, you know, a little wall pillar thingy and it'll just break that motherfucker. Or, you know, if you're running past a desk and you're like, fuck that desk, you can use your melee and just blow that thing to smithereens, which is tremendous. And if you guys haven't had the chance, um, sprint or do your little dash thing that you get, do it through a window. It's fucking uh, satisfying. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I also really liked the gun that you get in this game. Like at first you just have the one style of it. It's called the grip and that's just your basic yeah. pistol. And um, first and foremost, this pistol is different. It's your first object of power that you find. And basically he who wields the pistol is the director. But if you're not worthy of being the director, you will just like fucking die or something when you touch this thing. So uh, luckily Jesse gets the gun. Um, for reasons that I'll, I'll get into later. I'm not going to spoil it with you guys, but I am going to put a little section on the end of this so I can kind of talk about the ending because I have my thoughts. But so like as you go along, you get these, um, you build up these points. You can kind of unlock these upgrades to your gun. And there's like the, uh, the shotgun-esque shot. There's a charge shot. Uh, I think there's an automatic shot. And there's one other kind that I can't think of. Uh, oh, the armor, like armor piercing shot. Um, I personally just used the fully upgraded grip, the, like the one you first start with, and then the charge shot. Um, did you guys get to a point where you were able to upgrade your gun at all? Yeah, I had that the I, uh, I had the shotgun kind of one, and I definitely preferred the um, grip one as well. I just felt like it played better. There were some enemies I felt like the shotgun one worked a little bit better against, but in general, I liked the grip. I, I will be honest, I was pretty bad at the combat in the game, but I did kind of find myself leaning on the, uh, I think it was called Splinter or Shatter. I think that was the uh, shotgun style one, and that's the one I ended up using the most. It did have limited ammo, but it did uh, absolutely have the stopping power point blank that I needed. Yeah. I ended up, um, so you end up getting a power, it's almost like telekinesis, where you can kind of control eh? objects around you like big you know rocks or other people <laughs> depending on how much you spec into it i spec into that a lot telekinesis so my damage was really high with that and i could lift bigger objects so it got to the point where i'd have like three or four dudes coming at me and i would just like lift this big ass thing with my telekinesis and just play bowling with them and just kill all four of them in one go. It was super fucking satisfying. Yeah, I love that power up a lot as well. Like the telekinesis thing. Like that's what I used to fight most of the enemies that I could, especially the grounded ones. It was a little bit harder to hit enemies in the air, I felt like, with the telekinesis. But grounded enemies, you could just bowl them over, and it was a really good time. Um, I was going to say, my trick with the flying enemies was they would absolutely dodge the first thing you throw mm-hmm. at them. And they would dodge it if you shot at them. So what I would do is I would just take something and throw it. And when they would dodge, I would just aim my gun immediately over where they were at and just pump a clip into them real yeah. quick. And they would usually kill them. That definitely felt like the best way to kind of take out the enemies in the air. I feel like even it, the the first fight against uh, 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 Tomasi, I think that's kind of what the game was trying to teach you to do. Yeah. Um. So did, you, did either of you play long enough? to get to the the scenes in the motel yeah the uh yeah the ocean view motel i, the I thought this was such a really cool idea like this is like an area in like liminal space that is beyond space and time that apparently the more you read about it it exists outside like they even have they've sent like agents to Nevada to try to find the Ocean View Motel, even though the agents are like, by the way, we don't think that the Ocean View Motel will exist in a state that doesn't border <laughs> the ocean. <laughs> to me, that's the most unnerving area. And then the entire game is the motel. I don't know what it is about that fucking motel, but every time I was in there, I had the absolute creeps like hair on the arm standing up creeps. Absolutely. It, 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 it's it, there's this concept of a liminal space. It's something that's between two places. It just feels wrong to be there. It's like being at a mall or a school after the doors have been shut. 
for the night and you're just all alone in something there's supposed to be things going on. It's like being at a Motel 6 at midnight and there's no one else there but you've got to go pick up some ice but it's an empty place that should be full of life. Like, I don't know, it's it's creepy in this really awesome way and I think that that's one of the things I think this game did so great at is synthesizing all these really interesting horror settings. I mean, this was one of the most effective ones, I felt like. Yeah, and they would kind of uh, interspace puzzles in there, too, which I, I liked. Mm-hmm. Um, did did y'all get to the, the point where you saw the clock puzzle in there? No. No, I think that that's past me. So, uh, you'll get to a point, um, and this isn't a huge spoiler, but like you'll get to a point where um, you'll hit that bell and the first door will open, and there's a clock in there that's just it's just it's just sitting there. And it took me a while to figure out what I had to do. But there, if you go back to the by where you hit that bell, there's a clock sitting on the desk that's at a certain time. And you have to go into each of those rooms and spin the clock's uh, arms. I almost called them hands. Are they hands, hands? The hands of a yeah, clock? Yeah, hands of a clock. Okay. Okay, the hands of a clock. Um, I had to spin them until it gets to that time. And it's... Uh, at least there's there's a little leeway. You don't have to be exact because it's like a timing thing where you have to press A mm-hmm. and then it stops. So, but luckily I got it close enough and then it lets you through. But man, doing that while like sometimes you'll just and I played with this with headphones on, so like I would just be hearing like these weird little tiny faint screams outside of the motel and stuff, and I'm like, fuck! I just want to get out of here. <laughs> I just want to get back into the old house where everything's shifting around and i don't have any sense of knowing fuck this motel <laughs> yeah like that's the thing about this game too i think sound design is incredible and it's definitely meant to be played yeah. with headphones on because it'll throw little sounds at you through they're very quiet but you tell they're there and you're like oh crap i don't like this <laughs> i also i love the design of the oldest house because even when you're in like the main like the the main government run areas of it it looks like this like brutalist cold war bunker that's like also an office building at the same time and like i don't know like it's just the settings are so good like you that this all this stacked concrete and all that and it's like this place is clearly designed to does you know live through the cold war and all that but you're like there's a weirder and stranger war that this place was built for I don't know. It, it just the setting is so good. I I also would like to comment on the fact that this might be the prettiest game that we've played for this show. Um, period. Yeah. Like this game's lighting is fucking incredible, and especially if you run ray tracing with uh, the DLSS to do the the uh, resolution scaling to make it run at sixty frames a second, even with ray tracing on. Jesus fuck there was a time where I was in this long hallway and I was watching a projector thing like they you know you'll mm-hmm. randomly find where it's like the the doctor talking to you about the object of power behind me all the way at the other end of the hallway was a portrait of Jesse as the director and I could see the reflection of the projector image clear as day all the way back into that fucking thing and I was like Jesus Christ that's ridiculous like and just the the reflections on the the stone floor mm-hmm. is just incredible dude like that shit is wild to me how good it looked yeah it also it blew me away one hour into the game when i ran into my first portrait of jesse as the director because it's like what the like everything yeah. about this game is just i don't know it, it reminded me of eternal darkness in a way where it's like this is not what should be happening here, but I'm immediately hooked in. I want to know more about this plot. Nate, Go on, Nate. I'm sorry. I don't remember. Go ahead. Oh. <laughs> Shit. That um, no, was good. I very I very much got some like X Files in uh, like influences in, in this too, with the like you're oh. saying, nothing is what it seems. You know what I mean? It's like question everything. Trust no type one type situation. Trust, Trust no one. I mean, even the the direction, like the, the if you go to the hotline and you see the FMV of you know the former director, like that's so lit in this very cigarette smoking man type of way, you know. Yeah. Now, um, did you guys get any to the point where you were getting like uh, where Jesse would have these weird like head things where it would flash to her in her head, and it would show her kind of thrashing about a little bit. 
I can't say that rings a bell. No. Well, okay, so I didn't even realize this until I watched the video afterwards. That's how well they did it. There are parts of that that are interspersed where they're using the real actress, um, Courtney Hope. Like, it's really her because, like, that character design, like, Jesse's face, all of that is designed like Courtney Hope. And they would use real, like, her real face in these little things, and then it would transition into the gaming face and i never knew the fucking difference <laughs> yeah, he did a and, really cool job of like mixing fmv and like game graphics in really interesting ways i thought yeah because like the projections right. like i was talking about when you find those those yeah. are real like that's a real dude on yeah. there talking to the, you the guy played dr darling that's like very obviously fmv which i loved those by the way for some reason like, oh, i just do it gave me very much like um yeah portalish vibes 100%. like very yeah yeah <laughs> Um, another thing I really enjoyed, uh, which I don't think you guys would have seen yet. I think they're called the trench kids or the trench box kids or something like that. You'll come across these little CRT TVs and it'll just play like these little skit shows with these little puppets. Hmm. And you want to talk about fucking unnerving? It's, it's almost like a think, don't hug me. I'm scared. Like that style of oh, just wow. like make you feel uh, when you're watching them. But they're just these little clips that you can just stand there and watch. And then when it clicks off, I was always expecting to see something behind Jesse in the reflection of the TV. <laughs> but no. One thing I really loved about this game, too, was like it made you feel like you were discovering things that you shouldn't have been at certain times. Like I remember um, when I found like the um, the object that was the merry-go-round horse that gives you the um, dash ability like the way they had that design it made it feel like you were going off the um, actual beaten path to find it a little bit and I really enjoyed how like once you got in there like it did like all the building shifting stuff or like you found area or whatever I thought that was a really cool way to handle that and that's like I love that section a lot Uh, I believe that there are there's a power or two that you can beat this game without going to get. And one of them, I believe, is the shield power. So there are some stuff that's kind of like off the beaten path for sure. Um, and I like how, but like you're saying, even the stuff that you're meant to find feels like that, which is really cool that it's kind of just placed to the side almost. But yeah, the way for that a couple you hours, it does there, feel like it opens up a lot. Yeah. And once you get uh, the levitate ability eventually, like it opens up even more as far as you know, finding secret places and stuff. And uh, as far as collectibles go, uh, this game sated me for that because there was like there a lot so of things many. to find and read. There were so it's many things like to find. Funny little notes and like, I don't know, like all the, all the little like, God, like people complaining about their toilet being caught in a shift of the building, like just little funny things like that. You run into like looking at memos here and there. Like, it's so great. Uh, while, while it's on my mind, I would actually like to talk about the um, people who made this game a little bit. Remedy. Sure. Um, so they're a Finnish game developer um, out of Espoo. I, I'm sorry if that's not how you pronounce it, but that's totally how it's spelled is Espoo. Um, the notable games this studio has done is they did the first two Max Payne games. Hmm. Um, okay. They did Alan Wake and they did Quantum Break. Um, and there's actually a DLC that ties in Alan Wake with Control that they're huh. in the same universe. So I thought that was pretty cool too. Um, but Remedy, dude, like Max Payne, I don't know if you guys have played Max Payne. No. I-, I played that game way before I should have. Like when I was younger, there's some fucking freaky shit in Max Payne. Those games are really fucking good, though. I wonder how they hold up. I have them on Steam. I will report back. <laughs> there you go. Uh, but uh, that was like Max Payne was the first game that I can remember where like when you it was a third person shooter, but you could do like the dive and it would slow down time and you could do your shooting while time was slowed down and it just made you feel really cool and it also had a grandma that blasts somebody with a shotgun for trying to break into her apartment which is just hilarious (laughs) so yeah um, there was a time where i thought the phrase bullet time originated with the max Payne games i don't think that's actually true i think it originated with the matrix movies but uh the first time i heard it was when it was being used to describe the max Payne games 
Uh, let's see. What other notes do I have? Well, I was kind of curious about this. We said a lot of things that were super positive about this game. I don't think we said a lot of any negatives we might have with the game. Did y'all have any things that you found kind of frustrating or things that you did not like? I'll be honest. I had a pretty big problem because I installed this game to my external hard drive instead of my SSD. And I did have some issues with load times, like the combination of load time and then trying to get back to where I was after I died meant it was a pretty frustrating experience whenever I did get killed. Yeah, I actually completely agree with that. Checkpointing was probably my biggest issue with the game because I remember I did something and I ended up losing about 20 to 30 minutes of progress at one point and that really irritated me a lot like to the point where i stopped playing for a few days <laughs> word no i uh i didn't have any complaints straight up like i found nothing wrong with this game and i don't know i didn't die all that often in this game either but i don't know if that's just because i'm more used to third person shooters maybe yeah, I, I'm I really not used to this genre at all, and I think I played it pretty badly. Like, it took some help to get me through some of even the most basic fights, so I'm going to admit that, like, I just played this one really bad. Yeah, it happens, man. It happens. I also did get lost um, one time while playing the game. Like, you know, the kitchen area where you're, like, by, like, all the dining area and everything, and you're, there's a big hole in the ground that you end up you're supposed to go down into. I thought that was just a trap. Yeah. So like, I ended up walking around this kitchen area for like a good hour and a half trying to figure out where I was supposed to go. And in the meantime, the game kept sending like, and I don't know if this was a part of the game, but it kept sending bigger and tougher enemies at me. Like I was getting these crazy enemies that I could not even kill because I was in that area so long. So I think it's trying to push me out of that area. And eventually I did jump down the hole, but until that point I was like, what the hell am I supposed to be doing? <laughs> There's there's like there's like I think two or three instances in the game where it's you have to just kind of jump down a fucking hole. One of them is when uh, after you get levitate though, and you jump it's a fucking long fall, and then you just kind of pop levitate and float down at the end. But yeah, I it was another another thing where I kind of looked at it and I turned around and I looked at the enemies I was fighting and I was like, well. This is going to go one or two ways, so I just hopped Yeah, down. that's what it eventually came to to me, too, but it took me a long time to make that decision. Like, I kept running, killing, barely killing something, getting a little bit of health, and like eventually I was just like, I have to jump down this hole. I don't have any other idea of where to go at this point. Um, there is there is one spot of the game I want to talk about. Um, eventually you get, and this is towards the end, but like you get to a point where you go to this thing called the Ashtray Maze. I found the Ashtray Maze. I definitely walked through it. Okay, so the ashtray maze. Once you find that, um, it will. You can run through it, and it'll spit you back out at the beginning. Um, and it'll do that on an infinite loop until later in the game. Uh, you you have to go through there for something, and Ati tells you to come see him, and he gives you um, something that gets that helps you get through there. Um, and dude, that in itself was the coolest fucking part of this entire game was the ashtray maze it's uh how do i describe it it constantly shifts around you as you're running through it and just things are happening this fucking metal song is playing by a band that's actually from the alan wake game it's like a band that's in that uh, universe is playing like while you're going through and it's just like this hard rock heavy riff and it's just fucking awesome, bro. It's like 10, 15 minutes long of you just running through being an absolute badass throughout this whole fucking thing. And it is just super fucking satisfying. And it was visually, I can't even describe how visually cool it was. It's just like one of those things that like, if you're listening and you don't feel like playing this game, go YouTube the ashtray maze or play it and get up to that point at least, because it is probably one of the cooler things I've seen in video games in a long time. So, uh, you guys got anything else before I know? Like I said, I'm going to do a little spoiler section at the end, but I can see that Willie is half asleep right now. So like, <laughs> I'm just curious uh, if you guys any got anything else, you just want to go ahead and rate it. I think I threw about my main thoughts down there for you, bud. Okay. So if you were going to give this game a rating uh, out of 10, what would you give it? 
Yeah, I think it's a super solid game, and I'm definitely going to continue playing it off and on for a little while. I don't know why. Sometimes it just takes me a while to beat these games that we have. Like, I finally beat Doom 2016 a couple weeks ago, so... (laughs) Hopefully I'll get around to finishing this one as well. But from what I played, I thought it was wonderful. Like the presentation and atmosphere are all fantastic. Like I definitely want to give this game a eight and a half out of 10 SCPs. Okay. What about you, Will? I have not got the clearance to fully rate this game. (laughs) I will simply acknowledge that it is a Keter class Cognito hazard. (laughs) All right. Um, I don't hand these out often, but I'm about to right now. Uh, this game gets a 10 out of 10. Straight up. And I don't think I'd ever thought I'd ever say that about a fucking Metroidvania game. <laughs> but this game is fucking... It was exactly what I was looking for. Like, I've been wanting to play this game like since I discovered SCP stuff. So then, like, when we did the show... And I've just been waiting for it to come up. And I was like, no, you know what? Fuck that. I'm going to pick it because I want to fucking play it. And I'm glad that I finally fucking did that because this is now probably one of my favorite experiences. And um, on the wiki, it says that sometime in 2021, a control sequel was kind of teased and announced. So I look forward to it. If that comes out, I will probably get it on day fucking nice. Hell yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I guess then that that just brings up some house cleaning. Show, uh, if you would like to um, join our Discord, if you would pop over to bit.ly/tsmpdiscord, all capital letters, you can join in. Uh, we got a good little crew in there, always talking about games, anime, or just random memes or whatever other bullshit you want to talk about. And there's also the vote that you can vote on, which I believe right now the poll is up. Uh, Final Fantasy VII is still winning. And I believe the next game for the poll is Amnesia, correct? Yep. Yeah. Um, And then if you would like to be a patron... You can go to patreon.com slash the steam machine podcast. And we'd like to, you know, we love all of our patrons with an extra special shout out to the patrons that pay $10 or more. And that is Nate Sir Cogsworth, the seventh of Juniper, Jeff, the original expendable Mr. Syllables himself, old Jeffy Lube and Orisa Adam shout out to his podcast revival and extinction. And I would also like to give a big thank you and shout out to one master loot. Um, because the other day he just, came into the discord whipped that big old dick out and was like here are a bunch of keys y'all have fun uh, <laughs> true, he, he had gotten true. the uh the ukraine bundle and the stuff that he didn't want um he kindly offered to us and i think he offered it to a couple other discords but i think he brought it to us first and was like here you go you guys check it out um i know i snagged a couple games out of there and a uh edm maker uh i don't know you know what else everybody else grabbed but i thank you very much for doing that man and i also want to thank Tux Deluxe, who uh, messaged me the other day and hit me with a uh, PGA, the new PGA 2K21 or whatever uh, game, which I like. I mean, I played that with my dad on the PS4. And he also gave me one Kerbal Space Program. Sweet. Hell yeah. Awesome. Dude, that is definitely one that would be a fun episode sometime. I love Kerbal Space Program. It's a great game. So I have added that to the list. It is Hell now on yes. there. Uh, if you want to get a cool shirt with our logo or Steamy on it or anything like that, uh, you can go to tsmpproductions.threadless.com. And there you can get all kinds of different merch with our stuff on it. If you like our music, nilethenightmare.bandcamp.com. Uh, if you would, please leave us a five-star review. Anywhere that you can do that. I'm not sure if I think Spotify is just kind of like a thumbs up type thing. But if you could just give us a good rating on there. Um, let's see. Other than that, the website, bit.ly slash the Steam Machine Podcast, capitalized phonetically, where you can find buttons to all of the things that I've mentioned, uh, and the buttons will have links that take you there. As also, that includes one Turtle Bear Man's Twitch, so I will turn it over to him and let him plug his stuff. Hey, guys. Yeah, you can find me, probably not this week because I'm going out of town this weekend, but you can find me on uh, Twitch at twitch.tv slash turtlebearman. Recently got a new personal best in Super Mario Bros. 2 speedrunning. So it's been a pretty good time just playing other fun NES games. Also beat Mega Man 4 for the first time ever. So that was pretty cool. Woo. Yeah. So come check me out there on Twitch or also on uh, TikTok and Twitter at Turtle Bear Man. 
Hell yeah. What about you, Will? You got anything to, to plug? Just, just tell people to get a good night's sleep. I, I was literally going to say just rest well. <laughs> have a good night. <laughs> All right. Well, I'll be back on the flip side. But for the Destructo bros, uh, do you guys want to do your little cutout? Do you want me to do the take it easy? Do you want to do a take it easy? Take it easy. Come in, come in. Gather round. I have a story for you children. A story of control. It starts in a town, an ordinary town, that they actually called Ordinary. And two children that lived in Ordinary, named Jesse and Dylan Faden, found a projector in an old dump. But this projector was no ordinary projector. This projector opened a portal to another world that granted Dylan and Jesse access to Polaris. But it also introduced them to a world of pain and suffering that was a form of something they did not know nor could they comprehend. But Polaris helped them shut that and turned off the projector. This is when the Foundation came into play. You see, the Federal Bureau of Control, they came and seized the projector. They seized Dylan Faden. But Jesse escaped. And Jesse spent her whole life looking for her brother. And now, with the guidance of Polaris, it had led her to New York City, the oldest house, the center for the Federal Bureau of control. When she enters, there's something just not right about this place, and she stumbles upon a man whom have shot himself in the head with his own pistol. The nameplate on the desk read, Director Trench. When Jesse picks up the pistol, she gets contacted by a force that only can be described as otherworldly. The council. They grant her the position of director. They grant her the power to wield this weapon, this tool, this object of power. And she uses this to take on the force that is taking over in the Federal Bureau of Control, the oldest house. She refers to it as the Hiss, and Hiss they do. She helps people out throughout the Bureau, doing things directors would do, solving problems, nipping things in the bud before they become problems. But all the while, she has a true mission here. Find her brother Dylan. Find out what happened to Dylan Faden. Through gaining the trust of people, she finds that Dylan is held in this very building. She asks to see him. She goes to the room he's kept in, but he has escaped. You see, Dylan has been tainted by the hiss. He did not have the protection of the Hedron. He did not have the link to Polaris anymore. When he turns himself in, Jesse goes and speaks to him. And she can tell that somewhere deep down in this shell, this husk of hiss and bureau experiments over the years, that her brother still lies in there somewhere, and he reveals that he was Prime Candidate 6. You see, the bureau had the Prime Candidate affiliate program, if you will, to where they chose children that tested positively to be a possible next director. One through five obviously were failures, but Prime Candidate Six was Dylan Faden, and he reveals to Jesse that there was a Prime Candidate Seven, and it was her. As she goes to find Polaris, who is leading her to where she is being kept inside this very building, Jesse stumbles upon a tack board with pictures posted upon it. All the times that she felt paranoid, all the times that she felt like she was being watched, she 
absolutely was. The Bureau had tracked her every move since the day that she ran from Ordinary, because they could not lose track of Prime Candidate 7. For if Dylan failed, Jesse was their only other choice. Jesse battles the Hiss, fights her way to the Hedron, where the Hiss are attacking Polaris, and Jesse tries, as she may, to destroy all the Hiss attacking this big, giant monstrosity, or god, otherworldly being, whatever you would like to call her, but in the end, the Hedron is destroyed. The Hiss have won. Polaris is no longer linked to Jesse, no longer giving her the protection from the Hiss. The Hiss take over Jesse's mind, and Red seeps in. As she slowly recounts the words that her brother repeated over and over and over, and the credits roll, and they keep rolling, and they change, and they distort, and they flicker, and they melt away, because this is not the true ending. Next you find Jesse standing in front of a board with menial tasks that she must do. She is now a lowly new hire in the Bureau. And as you complete these tasks, you start to remember. And the more you remember, the more you realize that what you are doing is just in your head, and this is nothing but a dream. Jesse, this is nothing but a dream. Wake up. Wake. Up. Wake. Up. Once she awakens and discovers the power of Polaris is still inside her, she finds what she's been looking for. She finds the projector with Dylan inside of it, trying to merge with the hiss into a, maybe a giant being of destruction. And she gets there. Jesse arrives, fights her way through the waves and waves of hiss, and makes it to her brother, and is able to save him in a final stand against the enemy. Well, Jesse was able to close the portal. Jesse was able to cleanse the projector. Sadly, Dylan Faden is left in a coma and on constant medical attention. But Jesse is now the director of the Bureau. She has embraced it. Director Faden will cleanse the old house of the Hiss. But I believe she's needed in the doctor. Seravan Ketanasti Ottakara Hossa.